everyone, and welcome to another episode of Twitter Spaces. Today we're doing a Debate Me segment, and hopefully it's the first episode of the Twitter Spaces that I'm able to release on a podcast platform, you know, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you know, all the stuff that you're maybe listening to this on right now. What's up, Connor? How you doing, man? Uh, but I'm just doing a little intro right now because I'm hopefully being able to get this on streaming services on uh, podcast. A really nice person on Twitter developed a tool, apparently, where you can go and uh, rip the MP uh, MP3 file from a space after the space is over, and hopefully I can upload this to streaming uh, streaming platforms for everyone to listen to and enjoy. Uh, thank you, everyone, for the love on the spaces so far, by the way. It's been a lot of fun for me uh, to come out here every day and record these shows, sometimes multiple times a day, like today. Uh, today we have three shows, which is awesome. Uh, in today's episode, uh, well, this episode of the Twitter Spaces, I want to talk about uh, debating and Twitter, you know, Twitter spaces, debates, fantasy football debates and whatnot and what have you. So I'm putting out an open invitation to anybody out there listening right now. Uh, come up and request to speak, throw out a player or throw out something that you think I disagree with or anything and that you have a strong opinion on. And I'd love to come up here and uh, have a little debate or multiple people debate. It doesn't have to be including myself, uh, but I would love for somebody to come up and request to speak and uh, hop up here and debate. So if you could just hit the request to speak button in the bottom left-hand corner of your screen, we'll get you up here and we'll get the debates rolling. Uh, I don't really have anything off the top of my head I want to talk about, but some players I really liked. I know a lot of people don't. Akash is here. I'm sure that'll be easy for your debates. My boy, what's up? Uh, Mav is also loading in. I'll actually see what Mav has to say first, because we all know Akash is going to talk about Mav. I'm in the middle of a Publix parking lot. Bye. Okay, bye, Akash. Enjoy your Publix parking lot. Uh, Matt, what's up, man? Sorry, I was trying to get it to unmute for a second, but you've got to talk me off this ledge of making Robert Tanya my only tight end and just going in on every other position. Why would you do that? <laughs> Why do you like Robert Why Tanya? wouldn't I? Okay, so I love Robert Tanya because I feel like he's the only person being left out of this whole, like, vacated targets discussion in Green Bay. And he's actually proven to be a top five tight end in PPR before. So I think the See, capability is there. The possibility is there. Sure, the possibility is there. But is it going to happen again? I don't think at all. Uh, no. Um, my, uh, Robert Tunyon's year where he was a top five fantasy tight end was all based off extremely high touchdown production. And, you know, he came crashing down the earth in the next season. And I feel like that's more of a baseline for what to expect for Robert Tunyon is like what he did last year. Robert Tunyon will absolutely not be a top 10 fantasy football tight end again this season unless he goes absolutely ape uh, with his touchdown production. He doesn't earn enough targets, and he doesn't have a big enough role in this offense to where I think you can sit back and consistently say, hey, I like the roster. This guy's my tight end one in fantasy this season. I feel like, Mav, you should get, you know, if you want to get a really late guy, I would target Hunter Henry, who does have touchdown upside, but he also has a carved out role in this offense, and he's a good player. I personally don't even think that Robert Tunyon's that good of a player. I feel like he's a, an average starting tight end in the NFL to below average. And in fantasy football, we're looking for top 12 guys, right? Top 12 talent, people who can really go out there and be a week-to-week consistent starter. And I don't think that's what Robert Tunyon possesses. I think Robert Tunyon relies heavily on touchdown production for his fantasy production, and, and that's not what you want in your starting tight end, in my opinion. But if you want to counter, go ahead, man. You're muted if you want to talk. <laughs> Sorry, I'm at work. I'm trying to do two things oh, at you're once. Good, bro. No, I think you're. I think you're. You're working me back from the ledge. Uh, I don't know. I've just been sitting on the ledge all off season of going. I could go zero tight end and just take Tanya in here in the very very end of the draft. And sure. I, I don't. I don't want to say that zero tight end is a bad strategy. Like your last pick being a tight end. There's plenty of guys who I like with my last pick as my tight end. And my favorite guy 
is Evan Ingram or Hunter Henry. But let's say Evan Ingram because I feel like he's more of, you know, the actual, like, super deep cup tight end. You know, he got paid a bunch of money to come to Jacksonville and be their tight end one this year. Uh, it's an offense that hopefully is on the rise. You, got, you know, you got a new regime uh, who brought in Evan Ingram, which is always a good sign, right? Like, you know, they want to bring in the guy. They want to use him. They paid him pretty deep in money. I believe it was upwards of $7 million a year. Uh, to, you know, I think he's going to come out there and catch passes. I mean, competition also isn't that significant. He has Christian Kirk and uh, Marvin Jones, who's getting up there in age. I, I feel like it's pretty easy to see a world where Evan Ingram becomes a really nice sleeper tight end this season who becomes a week-in, week-out starter. So, I mean, I don't think that punting the tight end position like you were discussing is a bad idea at all, especially, you know, looking for guys who have high upside, especially in the touchdown department. But I just don't really think that Robert Tunyon's the answer because while the touchdown department could be a great thing for him, I think that's all he brings to the table necessarily in his skill set. Like, if he doesn't score a shitload of touchdowns this year, he's not going to be anything special for fantasy football. And there's going to be plenty of other guys out there, in my opinion, who has higher upside to do both. Uh, so give me the other guys over Tunyon. Is there anything else you wanted to add to that? No, I'm good. I, I just needed to hear somebody tell me not to take Tunyon and be serious about it. Oh, you're good, man. Appreciate it, bro. Thanks for coming out, especially yeah, at work. Tunyon stats. Yeah, go ahead, Mad. Okay. Um, in three out of his four years in the league, he has a top finish of PPR-ranked 49th best tight end in three out of the four years he's played. In three out of the four years he's played, he has a max of 204 yards in an entire season. Um, and the one year that he did make his name known, he had 11 uh, touchdowns on 52 receptions. So he's at that about is 20... insane. 50, sorry, yeah. what was it? 11 touchdowns on 52 receptions. He did, the one year, the one year that he was better than tight end 49, he had a 20% touchdown rate. That is absolutely ludicrous. A 20% touchdown rate. My goodness. That was like, that is the antithesis of what you want to draft for a fantasy football tight ends. Like he is, he is the other great. three seasons. The other three seasons, he's maxed out at 18 receptions. 18 receptions? That is just absolutely foul. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do not like Robert Tunyon at all in fantasy anymore. I mean, you know, in deeper leagues, you know, if you're in a dynasty tight end premium league or whatnot, sure, Robert Tunyon is worth having a, like being rostered on your team. Um, you know, he will score points. Will he do it consistently? No, not at all. He will catch some touchdowns, but, you know – the volume is the thing for him, right? And I don't even care about the vacated targets going to Robert Tunyon because I feel like Robert Tunyon, you know, is Robert Tunyon. What's up, Nick? Shout out to Nick, the homie Nick Script P2W Fantasy uh, in here. How's it going, bro? Uh, but, yeah, I, I do not like Robert Tunyon at all. You know, like, Mav, you brought up the vacated targets with, you know, positively impacting Robert Tunyon. I, I just don't agree with that personally. Just because, you know, the tight end position for Green Bay hasn't changed at all. He's still the starting tight end. His role is exactly the same as last season. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, the only thing that's changing, in my opinion, with this passing game is the wide receivers. Uh, and the running backs, I think, are getting a little bit more work. And I don't really think that the wide receivers are going to be so bad to the point where they're going to have a Robert Tunyon with targets, who is known to not be a very high-volume guy. So that being said, I feel like he's still an extremely touchdown-dependent player who should not be relied on in fantasy football this season. I appreciate the stats there, Matt. I appreciate it, though. To piggyback on top of that, um, somebody with that profile is is more avoidable in tight end premium than regular because you're not going to be getting That's that actually a point. really good point because you're not even getting the tight end re like reception per bonus. 
I appreciate that. All right, uh, Ted requested to come up here and speak. Ted, how you doing? I'm man? doing well. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you sound great. great. Thanks. First time using this. I, I, I have a question. I've asked this a few places, a few times. I've never gotten a clear answer. Maybe you know, or maybe you can at least break down the the, the range of outcomes. But isn't, okay. isn't it a possibility that Alvin Kamara plays the entire year and just deals with his legal issues after the season? That is actually – I'm really glad you brought that up because actually we had somebody in our Twitter spaces last night uh, who did a full breakdown on this who uh, has a, a mind in the, space, in the legal world. And he said that he strongly believes that you know they're offering him a plea deal, right? Like a lot of people around him are trying to push him to take this plea deal, you know, like reduce his sentence, reduces, you know, everything, right? Just make his you know sentencing a little less harsh. Um, and he needs to make a decision whether to plead guilty or not guilty on August 1st, which is rapidly approaching that deadline. Um, and the guy that I spoke with last night in Twitter spaces said that he believes that he pleads non-guilty. It pushes the trial back, thus buying him time to play in the NFL season without a suspension because the NFL likely won't suspend him until legal action is, you know, ruled upon in court. So, and he thinks that the plea deal that he's being offered may not be as juicy as it is right now, but if he does plead not guilty, pushes the trial back further, pushes the sentencing back further, then he could possibly avoid the suspension and then get a ruling and still take that plea deal after the season's over. So, yes, I, I completely agree with what you just said. I think that Alvin Kamara most likely, you know, avoids the suspension this season just by kind of finagling the legal system. Hope that helps, man. Thank you so much for coming out. Uh, all right. We still are looking for debates primarily on this uh, hour uh, from 1.30 to 2.30 here. The Fantasy Football Radio Hour, which is more focused around questions, will be tonight at 7 o'clock. So if you have questions, I would kindly ask for you to reserve those for the 7 o'clock show. Uh, we will be doing all questions for an hour straight plus. If people have extra questions, I have no problem going hour yesterday. Uh, sorry, over the hour yesterday, we went for an hour and 20 minutes. So if anyone has a player they would like to debate or anything that they would want to debate me on, like some players I notoriously love, Amonra St. Brown, Traylon Burks, Drake London, uh, Trey Lance, etc. If anyone has anything that they don't like about any of those players, I would love to get you up here and, you know, kind of debate some general strategy tips and stuff on that. Uh, Paul has been waiting patiently, and then we'll get to uh, Greg, who just requested to speak. Thank you guys so much. How you doing, Luke? So, uh, do... Do, do I share? Uh, I actually went and had that call with uh, one of Sean McVay's assistants. Do I? Uh, oh. Do you want me to answer the uh, Allen Robinson thing now? Or yes, I would actually love that. So, Paul, if you could preface what you're talking about for those who weren't here, that'd be great. And then go ahead and share it. I'm very interested in what you have to say. Okay. So, um, th uh, on Thursday's radio hour, um, I made a note. Uh, I told Luke that um, I'm friends with a guy who works in the. Um, on the Rams, like coaching staff is like a researcher and a guy who, like crunch, uh, crunches film and um, helps set game plans. And um, I wanted to give uh, Luke and some of our some of my fantasy fantasy friends like an opportunity to like uh, ask him a good question. And um, Luke, you asked, um, what was it? How do you envision uh, Allen Robinson's role in the Rams offense? Correct. Yeah, basically just yeah, just asking like, how do you think Allen Robinson's going to transfer over to this Rams offense, having uh, such a poor season in Chicago? Like, what do they see, and you know, being so confident in the bounce back? Um. So yeah, when uh, I when I talked with him, um, I essentially kind of like prefaced it by saying like, how does he compare to Robert Woods? Are we going to be expecting like a similar sure. role, a similar production style, some uh like similar usage to Robert Woods? And he. Uh, he told me that he feels that Robert Woods and Allen Robinson are very, uh, very different receivers. Uh, I agree with that, that for yeah. sure. 
in that um, if you try to just shove him in, in that role, it, it may not work. But the system that they've built in, uh, with the Rams is like, like they have a really, really great system. They're not going to like completely change their system or just because Allen Robinson's there, but they're going to try to you know tweak it and add some elements to uh, get him best involved. One thing that he said about Allen Robinson is he feels that he's more than just a catch point guy. Uh, I know there's um, like a big uh, narrative in football that oh, you want to get separators more so than cat point guys in the NFL. Right. But he said he felt that Allen Robinson is both a separator and a cat point guy. And um, he feels that he's going to be a great fit for Matthew Stafford deep. Because uh, Matthew Stafford is very aggressive. He's very willing to take chances on 1v1s. And he feels that Allen Robinson is going to be a guy. Oops, sorry, Paul. I accidentally hit the mute everyone button. Unmute real quick. My fault. My fault. Uh, unmute real quick, Paul. My bad. So, um, yeah, he said that he feels that um, Allen Robinson is going to uh, – one of the things that he likes is, like, you know, Matt Stafford is a very aggressive um, aggressive quarterback, and he feels that there's going to be plenty of chances, 1v1, down the field, where Allen Rob- uh, where Matt Stafford's going to be aggressive, Allen Robinson's going to be aggressive. So he, he's really excited um, about him being the big play receiver in um, in that offense. So that was what I was uh, able awesome. to get out of, uh, get out of him that I can uh, that I can publicly share because I appreciate you know, it, Paul. Thank you, bud. I, I really appreciate you going out of your way and uh, asking a question to somebody in the NFL. Uh, you know how they think about a player. That's really cool. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yep, and um, to uh, forward this into uh, the uh, debate me aspect, I also asked him about one of the most hottest, heated debates in all of football Twitter, Miles Garrett versus T.J. Watt. Oh, okay, go ahead. Um, I recently had a tweet where I, where I said that I felt that if you were to ask all 32 defensive, co- uh, defensive coordinators um, if they'd rather have Watt or Garrett, and I said I think most defensive coordinators would have uh, Garrett. And um, he, he, uh, he kind of copped out and just said, oh, yeah, if, they, if you run like an upfront front, you're probably going to want Garrett. But the ball really just kind of depends on scheme. So I don't know if you want to uh, kind of add any add anything sure. to that because I I am a very pro Garrett in the Garrett Watt debate. Yeah, see, uh, for me, uh, I'm a big TJ Watt proponent just because I feel like his sack production is undeniable. Uh, you know, I mean, he tied the single season sack record last season, only playing in 15 games, which is unbelievable. Um, I feel like TJ Watt does a lot of intangible things really well. Um, you know, he just has an extremely high motor, which is kind of like a signature thing from the Watt brothers, obviously. You know, J.J. Watt and T.J. Watt. Um, T.J.'s at the game record, man. I think that, you know, I, I, uh, obviously it may, this might be a little bit of Steelers bias. I totally understand that Miles Garrett is an absolute monster. He's an amazing, you know, all-around defensive lineman. But the thing I think that T.J. Watt does that really puts him over, over the edge is the energy on every play. Like, the man just does not stop. He is absolutely relentless. Uh, you know, he, he also forces a ton of fumbles. He's better at pass coverage. Well, I don't think Miles Garrett goes out in pass coverage ever, but you know, TJ Watt gets interceptions. He defends his passes. He defends passes sometimes. You know, he, the, the thing I, I want to add again there too, is the splash plays, right? He gets a ton of sacks and he gets a ton of forced fumbles more than Miles Garrett. And in my opinion, that guy is more of a game wrecker. And that's the guy that I want on my team personally. But I, both of those guys are absolutely phenomenal. All world football players, um, 
I lean TJ Watt, though, personally. Uh, that, that is a really good debate point, though, Paul. I really appreciate you bringing that up. I do want to pivot to somebody else, though, because we have several people waiting. Uh, we'll go to Greg Reddick first. Greg, how you doing, man? Thank you for waiting. Hey, I appreciate it. Can you hear me loud and clear? Yeah, you're good, bro. Thank you. Yeah, um, I kind of – I got several ideas, uh, debate ideas in my mind, but one that I think that really is stuck to my head right now is in the first couple rounds, where should you go? Uh, wide receiver, stack up on wide receiver ones, or stack up on RBs because, you know, the RB class is pretty – pretty dead after about I say the third round so I just wanted to hear your uh, debate on that that's great man thank you uh, and also this actually might be a little fun for us because I feel like that you might disagree with me in the sense that I think that the the running back you know the quote unquote running back dead zone in fantasy football which is usually like after round three or like round three plus um, is more alive than ever this season I think there's a lot of really quality running backs in those you know fourth fifth round third round guys um, and I personally think that starting wide receiver heavy this year could be the move. And I, I actually, if, you, if you've been following me for a while now, might surprise you because last year I was the exact opposite. Last year, I, I oftentimes was leaving my drafts with uh, three running backs back to back to back and then pounding wide receivers in the middle rounds, drafting guys like Jamar Chase in the middle rounds, which panned out really well. Um, but, you know, this year I kind of see the inverse, right? For me, I really prioritize trying to get one of those top-tier wide receivers in rounds one or rounds two, and then getting the running back, you know, like a Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, uh, et cetera, in round one. Uh, and then in round two, you know, try to maybe get a tight end like a Mark Andrews or a Travis Kelsey. And then in round three, you really start to get a couple running backs, you know, like a Brees Hall, a Travis Etienne, uh, et cetera. I feel like there are plenty of running backs in the RB dead zone this year that I really, really like. Uh, you know, Brees Hall, Travis Etienne. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Ezekiel Elliott at cost. Um, I like James Conner. I like, um, you know, I like Josh Jacobs. I like David Montgomery. I like Antonio Gibson at his cost. His upside isn't the best, but at his cost, he's really good. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of guys in those middle rounds that, sure, they're not the sexiest pick in the world, right? Like, I don't think anyone's, you know, rushing to the draft board to get their pick in for Josh Jacobs, right? But, you know, Josh Jacobs is a solid running back. He's a solid contributor in what I project to be a very good offense in Las Vegas this year in one of the best divisions in football, which is going to lead to a lot of high-scoring games, a lot of red zone carry opportunities for Josh Jacobs. And, you know, I like a lot of these, you know, I like a lot of these middle-round running backs. So if you can, you know, get a guy or two like a Josh Jacobs, Travis Etienne, Brees Hall, et cetera, to build out your running back core, and you can start off your draft with the Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, Travis Kelsey, et cetera, I think you're off to a really good start there in terms of a positional advantage standpoint at wide receiver and tight end, and then get comparable production out of guys like Brees Hall, who's my RB11 in the middle rounds when people are drafting you know, guys in that range a lot earlier, like Nick Chubb, for example, where I think their, their production will be very comparable this season. You can get Brees Hall at a much greater discounted price and build around you know the foundation of your team at the wide receiver or and or tight end position which gives you a, a better positional advantage on a week-to-week basis over your opponents who are drafting the middle-round guys as their wide receiver ones, the Keenan Allens, the, you know, uh, those kind of guys as their wide receiver ones instead of the, the extremely top-end, you know, uh, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup. So those, those are my thoughts. Uh, if anyone wants to counter that, go right ahead. Akash, I'll, uh, jump in. What's up? I just got home, so I might be moving around a little bit, but you could also just keep drafting receivers uh, for, like, six seven rounds just to fill out all your flexes and your uh tight end spot before you draft any running backs 
That's also a very valid Because, like, at, at, at the flex, you want to win the flex. And wide receiver flex is better. So if you can fill those out before you attack any running backs, as long as there's no running backs that, like, really fall, that's something that I, I enjoy doing. Yeah, absolutely. Kosh, why don't you throw out a couple of your favorite later round running back targets after I do here? Uh, for me, some of my favorite really, really late guys, uh, Tyler Beatty, rookie running back for the Baltimore Ravens. I really like Melvin Gordon as a zero RB bill, Ronald Jones. Um, I like Tyler Algier. Akash does not. I know for a fact. Uh, what do you get from Beatty besides like a couple weeks of maybe production if both of Gus and Dobbs? Well, Akash, you know, if you're doing a zero RB, that's bill, really, like, it's really late, looking, so I get it, but I don't know. You're looking not, for, you're not drafting him in redraft leagues. No, I, I am drafting him in redraft leagues late because I think like that. Like 16th he, round, maybe? Yes, yeah, like let me last pick. Just let me finish here. Yeah, like, I can. If you're RB build, you're looking for RB production where you can get it, right? I mean, you're piecemealing kind of a, a running back core here. So if you can get a guy with your last pick who can be a top 24 running back for the first two to three weeks, I feel like that's extremely worth your first, uh, I'm sorry, your last pick in a, in a draft. Let's toss it to Matt real quick, and then we'll come Mike back. Mike Davis might start on him, but yeah, I'm like, for the guys that I like, um, in the mid-rounds, like Edmonds and uh, Kareem Hunt are pretty good. And then moving to the later rounds, guys like uh, Daryl Henderson, Rashad White, um, Ty Davis-Price later. Uh, it sounds like you... Dearness Johnson. It, it sounds some like ones. you just want to draft wide receivers until it comes to the point where you draft running backs who play like wide receivers. Mm, yeah, I mean, pass catching is very vital at running back. That's more PPR leagues for sure. I feel like in half point you have to be a little bit more balanced, but in PPR in leagues, point, especially if you're in I a wide receiver both. three starting league, you definitely want to pound wide receivers early. Yeah, especially in, in start your wide receivers because you don't see many people change up their strategy, but it makes wide receivers so much more valuable. Like wide receivers, with the way that RB's usage is changing over the last few years. Wide receivers already trending towards being more valuable, but it's in two wide receiver, but like in three wide receiver, it's even more so. Yeah, absolutely. So like uh, I think that where it's half PPR and um, but three wide receiver, then you should continue with the mentality of drafting a wide receiver. Like if like right. I I'm never gonna like go into something committing like I'm absolutely gonna do this build, but I'll always lean towards wanting to go more hero RB or zero RB. Right. All right, uh, let's pivot to something else if you guys don't mind here. Or if somebody out there prefers drafting running backs early, I would love to come up here and have you guys uh, counter with a, an argument because, you know, the whole point of this episode of Twitter Spaces is for debates. And I feel like so far everything's been a little one-sided. So I would love to get somebody who's pretty passionate about running backs. Jake, what's up, man? Oh, I was just going to say, um, so I'm, I'm not a passionate RB guy. However, I will take RBs when they fall. So um, I'm a big value guy. So I guess with Akash's approach um, – I don't go in with one single mindset. I'm a big ADP guy because I believe that's how you win. Anytime you're getting value uh, later than where I believe they should be drafted, that that's how you win. You know, finding those guys that are a big value. So even even if it's a guy who's not necessarily um, in an ambiguous backfield or an ambiguous uh, wide receiver core, if for whatever reason people are fading that player in your league, anytime you can grab a player of value, even if it's an RB, I think that's a win. So my, my approach is always um, – uh, fluid, so I don't go in with one single approach either. But yeah, I have no problems taking an RB early if it's a guy that I that I highly value. See, I actually really wish right now. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Maniac. Go ahead. 
No, no, you're good. I, I'm going to jump on his bandwagon. I'm going to agree with him. I'm like basically strictly a value-based drafter. Obviously, my team needs as we get into the meat of the draft are going to matter more than just value. But I am a sucker for value-based drafting, and I read the room. I try to get to know my league mates as quick as I can and just try to get an idea of what they like by what they're doing, and I take what falls to me. 99% of the time, unless I have a very glaring need that I need to address. I love that. I actually, I want to use that as an example real quick to show uh, a draft right now. And uh, I feel like people might not like this very much because it is a start three wide receiver league. And I, it is a league with a lot of really sharp analysts. So the tough is the, the, the draft is definitely a little tougher than usual, I might add. Um, but it's a, it's a start three wide receiver league, start two running backs, uh, one quarterback, your typical redraft format. And right now through... Six picks, my team looks like uh, Joe Mixon, Brees Hall, Devontae, uh, Devontae Adams, Drake London, Traylon Burks, and James Conner. So I have three really good running backs, and I think one amazing wide receiver and two really solid upside top wide receiver. And when it comes back to me in a few picks here, I'm going to pound more wide receivers. Wide receivers that are still on the board include Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyler Lockett, Garrett Wilson, Brandon Ayuk, Chris Olave, Robert Woods, Claypool, Russell Gage, Christian Kirk, Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, and more. Uh, I don't know Matt, if anybody's into tier based drafting. Um, Burks and London, like three rounds ahead of ADP. Uh, no, I wasn't. It was actually their ADP on Sleeper here. Yeah, the Sleeper ADP is bad, though. They're going a lot. I know, but if it's on the draft board, cost, they're not going to fall because their ADP is a little high there. Like, people aren't, you know, they're going to draft based on where the ADP is. And I feel like in my rankings still, I'm getting them out of value. I don't really care about what the ADP. I'm drafting based off of my rankings most of the time. Sure, I play the ADP game from time to time, right? Everyone has to. But for me and my rankings with the guys that are going around on the board right there, I prefer uh, Traylon Burks and Drake London. Here are the wide receivers that went after them. Tell me if you guys prefer Drake London or Traylon Burks over any of these players. Devonta Smith, Gabriel Davis, Juju Smith-Schuster, Adam Thielen, or Hunter Renfro. I have Traylon Burks and Drake London above all of those players. Yeah, I'm with you there. Akash? Uh, some of them, some of them I, I'd take, but Who? yeah, they're, they should all be close. Huh? Who? Like, Juju probably has a similar median. To and, which player? Uh, Drake London and Burks? You would rather have Juju over Drake London and Burks? Or which no, one? they're probably similar median. It's tough. They're going a lot later on, like, DraftKings and uh, Underdog and um, Well, DraftKings ADP is horrible, but Underdog ADP is good. And also NFC, but... Yeah, I get it. Like in the fifth or sixth round, that's probably a reach based on ADP. Like, I'm perfectly uh, fine with it, Akash, and here's why. I mean, I totally understand. You know, listen, not every year there's going to be a Jamar Chase. I know rookie wide receivers, blah blah blah. I'm the biggest rookie wide receiver fan in the world, right? But for me, last year I did the same exact strategy at the turn with uh, Devontae Adams. Sorry, God, Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase, and it worked out really, really well for me. Listen, I I'm, I'm not banking on both of these guys to crush. And that's why I drafted both of them, because I feel strongly that one of these players will end up being a top 20, top 15 option. Both of them okay, will not if you be. Draft them at one of them will suck. 24. Yeah, I know. And that's fine. I don't really care because I feel like my team is, hasn't a solid enough of a base already with three top 15 running backs in my rankings. I'm comfortable enough to take upside shots on wide receivers. Jake, go ahead. I like the upside of the unknown, but not when the upside of the unknown is. Right. I get it. Let's go to Jake. Yeah, no, I was going to agree with you there. Uh, I just think it's all about value, but also. Initially, I was talking about uh, being willing to draft an RB whenever they fall in value. I think it also depends on whether we're talking redraft or dynasty because redraft, obviously, I'm, I'm more comfortable taking an RB who has a shorter shelf life 
um, early than I would be in dynasty where I know wide receivers have a shelf life of, you know, 10 years versus five for an RB. So it gets a little bit different uh, strategically in my opinion. So it would just, I, I don't know what you are discussing. I jumped in a little late, so I guess I need a little more context. Yeah, understandable. I mean, the draft so far, the reason I started so RB heavy is I felt like I was getting really good value on these running backs. Uh, let me pull up the draft board here. I mean, I took Brees Hall a little earlier than his ADP because I'm a huge Brees Hall guy, but I actually got him at a good cost. I got him at RB18. Uh, yeah, that's great. Call. So, I mean, I, I got like, like, Steel Elliott went, went, went one pick before him. Uh, and then at the turn there, Deontay Johnson and Hollywood Brown went, which kind of sucked because I was hoping to get Deontay. Uh, but then I came back and, uh, you know, players that were available, Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, DK Metcalf, Josh Allen, David Montgomery. I took James Conner over those guys. The only player I would have really considered there was DK Metcalf. Um, but I prefer to triple up on running back there when Zig, where everyone else is zagging because everyone's smashing wide receivers here. Uh, and then I came back and then uh, I got Drake London and Traylon Burks, which I thought were two good values at cost. And then there's been a bit of a run on quarterbacks here in the sixth round, which is interesting. Uh, Josh Allen went in the fourth. Uh, Lamar went in the fifth. Herbert went in the fifth. Hurts, Brady, Mahomes, Burrow, and Kyler all went in the sixth. I think Mahomes is a really good value. Somebody took Joe Burrow over Patrick Mahomes, which I think is absolute lunacy. Um, but, you know, the, the, things vary, obviously, you know. But I just want to add, you know, I totally understand the importance of wide receivers, especially in wide receiver three formats. But I just want to add to this, you know, I guess debate. Um, I think that in even in wide receiver three formats, while they're extremely valuable, you can still get plenty of meaningful wide receiver production if you just spend your later round picks on huge upside swings. You want to swing and miss or swing for the fences, and then you can cut those guys and then be aggressive on the waiver wire for uh, guys to replace their production. And then with that being said, you can start out and have a big positional advantage over your opponent at running back because you know the running backs that they're getting compared to the running backs that you have are very, very good. And also, we have to remember that trading is a thing, people. So if these guys are super heavy at wide receiver, I'm thinner at wide receiver, I have better value at running back, and I got better value overall for the players on the draft board at the running back position because they fell to me, I can trade those wide receivers one for one for a running back. Sorry, my running backs one for one for their wide receivers and then probably win my return on investment there. Uh, so it's important to make sure that, you know, it's not just drafting. It's all about drafting and, you know, maneuvering values to assemble the best team. Akash, go ahead. So I looked at ADP, and so Drake London is going at 37, wide receiver 37 at pick 75, and then Burks is going wide receiver what 46. What platform is that on, though? Pick 93. It's on underdog, but I can't I know, imagine. but this is an underdog. on sleeper. I know. I can't higher. imagine that, like, NFC is going to be different. Um, NFC? What do you mean by that? What That's that the high-stakes one. Oh. I mean, I understand, right? I'm, I'm not saying that it's not you like took that. took them both, like, around pick 60. And so, like, ahead of, ahead of Burks are players like um, like Olave, MBS, Christian Kirk, Alan Lazard. And I, I think they shouldn't be over those guys. That's I take Burks over them, opinion. for sure. And then ahead of London, there's guys like Hopkins, Smith, Gage, and I take London over yeah, them. That's horrible. But when you – Take them above those players anyways. You remove all the advantage you get by letting them fall. I, and well, Akash, I did it because it, it's, that's irrelevant for this. Because I'm, on Sleeper, they were at the top of the draft board. I couldn't have played the EDP game and let them get back to me. Obviously, I would have done that. I would have easily done that if, if they were you know deeper down the draft board. I wouldn't reach on them just to reach on them. I'm not an idiot. You know, if they're if they're at the top of the draft board, I know I'm going to have to take them. And I did because they were good value in my rankings still. I'm not just going to reach on them to reach on them and be like, oh, rookie wide receivers. Of yeah, course, know, if, but... if it was on a platform where their ADP was lower, 
I wouldn't reach early. I'd play the ADP game and draft somebody else there, knowing that they probably could make it back to me. But they were at the top of the draft board at the time on sleeper when I made the pick, so I kind of had to. And I didn't want to, you know, I looking at the wide receiver board at the time. I mean, I went through the guys that were taken after him. They were clearly the two best wide receivers available, in my opinion. Unless you yeah. wanted to pair a Traylon Burks with a Juju Smith-Schuster, which I totally understand. But for me, I prioritize those upside swings with my with my running back foundation already because I value those upside shots. Yeah, I don't know. Like, just because the ADP on that platform is different, I would still use the majority ADP. Just because sleeper ADP is bad doesn't, like... Well, I, mean, I, I, I don't agree with it. that, Akash, because if you still do that, you're going to miss out on a lot of players because they're at the top of the draft board. Not everyone's That's fine. I'll just get ADP. someone else who's falling because they're not at the top of the draft board. I know, but I don't care about that. I care more about my rankings and where I value the players. And for me, that mixed with where I drafted them. It was good value on the draft board and in my rankings and with the ADP. So the ADP didn't matter to me because it wasn't like it was a factor in this situation because it was high enough to the point where if I didn't draft them, they weren't going to make it back to me. And they were a good value in my rankings. And I needed the position. It was a perfect fit. Every single thing checked every box. There was no reason for me to, you know, use ADP from another platform to justify waiting and playing the ADP game on a platform where their ADP is higher. I feel like if you do that, you're going to get burned because the guys that you're trying to wait on will not be waited on by the other players in your league, especially in casual leagues where people aren't as sharp and play off ADP and other platforms because they'll just go off the guys at the top of the draft board because they don't know any better. Yeah, Fair. I mean, I get what you're saying. But just because, I don't know, I'm, I'm still thinking that if there, it doesn't matter whether they're at the top of the draft board. Okay, that's fine. I understand. All right, let's, uh, let's go to Ted. Ted unmuted there for a second. He hasn't spoken in a while. Go ahead, Ted. I wanted to actually extend this debate. It's, it's, it's a little bit of where you're already on, but it's specific. I think that you among, and also I think everyone, is sleeping on Adam Thielen. I would absolutely take him over Burks, um, largely for one reason. I feel like not once this year, as long as Jefferson's playing, is Thielen going to get double teamed. I feel like he scores too many touchdowns to be ignored and left this late. See, I really like Adam Thielen. I really do. But the thing is, you know, I just don't think that he has – I wouldn't say he has the upside as the other guys. Uh, and I don't want to say that because he was wide receiver 15 in points per game last year, right? I just think that, you know, there's some situations that you need to factor in. Um, you know, the unknown of the rookie wide receiver is more tempting to me than the the floor of Adam Thielen as my wide receiver too. I'm still looking for more when I start three wide receiver league, especially when I already have – the upside, not the upside. I already have the floor secured with my running backs in this build. I already have three really solid starting running backs. So I already know I have stable production there. And I have Devontae Adams as my wide receiver one, which is extremely stable production there. So for me, I prioritize the upside swings on these rookies over Adam Thielen, who's getting older. He was a little banged up last season. That being said, he's still projected to come into the year healthy. And I do think Thielen is a good value, right? But again, the platform ADP kind of leaned me more towards to take these rookies. And I do have them over Thielen in my rankings. I do agree with you that Adam Thielen's a great value at cost. Um, but I just think I prefer other guys. Uh, Matt has his hand raised and he hasn't spoken in a while. So we'll go Matt, then Akash, then Jake if he wants to go. Go ahead, Matt. You are muted, good sir. Oh, thank you. Um, I just want to tie in a few things that y'all are talking about. One is, uh, you know, structure-based drafting around running backs early versus wide receivers early. And another part is uh, Thielen versus Drake London types. One thing you said that, that I liked was uh, stocking up on all the, the running backs because they're going to be the, the, the position that most people are desperate for, um, you know, come injuries and bye weeks and, and 
face planters and everything like that. So stocking up on them is almost like stocking up on rookie picks where it's just a, a, a liquid asset you can give throughout the year. And in redraft, it, uh, somebody said dra- reading the room first and then drafting. And it, I feel like uh, combining those two methods of, of getting all the James Connors and getting all the, you know, get Zeke in the fourth or whatever. And if you can get a, a Thielen in the seventh or eighth, then that's fantastic. But really, if you're playing with people, um, you know, read the room, of course, but let's say the guy who drafted Drake London or Traylon Burks is not you. And at about game six, you know, rookie wide receivers start learning the playbook. They start learning NFL speed. They start getting, uh, you know, they start busting out. That, that, that might be a great time to plan to trade, you know, Thielen plus Connor for the guy that you wanted and then also get a big right. piece on top. So if you wanted to get a bunch of running backs and then, you know, wait on a Thielen or, a, or an Allen Robinson and trade him, uh, you know, while his old legs are still fresh at about week six, you could probably get two, you know, you could probably trade James Connor and Adam Thielen exactly for Burks and London if you wait till about week six. Right. right, and that's a great point. I, as I mentioned earlier, it's all about how you manipulate the, the value of your players into trading, working the waiver wire, etc. People get so caught up, especially at this time of the year, in you know, drafting, winning your league in the draft, league-winning draft picks, etc. And sure, I mean, I do it too. Everyone does it, right? It's fun. You know, it's, it's the way – it's what you base your team off of, right? But there's so much more than that in fantasy football. It's so important to go out there and make trades – Read the read your league in terms of value, where to get players, what to do with them, etc. So I totally agree with what you're saying there, Matt. In terms of value, it's not all about the draft picks. Uh, Akash, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I'm I'm eating. But um, what I was thinking, and I know we've talked about this before, is talking about the range of outcomes for Thielen versus Burks. I think they both have um, I think it's kind of iffy whether they have wide receiver one in their range of outcomes for Burks. Partly situational, partly um, it's partly because of uh, him being a rookie. Like most of the times, like there's there's um, neither of them really quote unquote like look like a, a guy who has top twelve in the range of outcomes. Burks being a rookie and Thielen being like the second option on his team with the uh, questions regarding his health and if he's gonna fall off a cliff. So I don't know. It, it's tough. I wish there was like a way I can better represent how rookie range of outcomes go. But most of the time, you're getting wide receiver twos or threes and not Justin Jefferson. Right. Uh, Jake, you want to hop in? Oh, yeah. I'm all about some Titans talk. Uh, so, well, actually, there's a few things. And I'm not used to going this long without talking, so I'll forget some of them. Uh, but Thielen versus Burks, I, I agree with Thielen being a huge value. Uh, I just drafted him and Scott Fishbowl. Loved it. Was real happy with it. Um, also, Traylon Burks was people. People hate this comparison because you're trying to compare him to AJB, who's a uh, just absolute. Oh stunt. no, Jake! I live for it, baby. Let it rip. But I quite literally, it. quite literally, he was traded for Burks. Essentially, that was basically cutting the money, and they were talking about him being the same type of player that AJB is. Now, whether he lives up to that, that's debatable, obviously. But he is going to be the number one receiver there. I don't. I don't think uh, anyone's gonna going to have much to say to that obviously Robert Woods uh is a good good player he should be healthy but I don't think that's going to be the go-to guy and um I'm fairly confident I read a lot of reports I'm a Titans fan um and then also you know 
while we're here, you know, we need to we need to address Akash's use of ratio. He's just he's just outdoing. I think we should just ratio him right now. Ratio, ratio. not use ratio anymore. It needs to be addressed. He needs to bring back you know ball or you don't know ball. I totally agree with that, Akash. <laughs> I did. I gave him he a, needs a you fundamental content. I you did the disrespect. Yeah, hey dude, I missed on Terrace Marshall. Let it go. It happens. And Tracy. Yeah, I missed on him too. And Rondell Moore. Yeah, that's true. Uh, no, I was I was not uh, I was not hyping up Rondell Moore. Bro, then I swear to God, we were talking about my uh, talking at Miami that you loved Rondell Moore. No, no, Elijah Moore. I loved. I think I had Elijah number three in my rankings. Interesting. Uh, I swear not a big per game dominator fan. Uh, last year I was using different metrics. I think it was um. It was Dominator rating, uh, obviously draft capital, but I used draft round, not draft pick last year. And then uh, I don't remember what else, but yeah, I, I used a different database this year, so it's a lot more uh, intricate. I just want to say, real quick, guys, fun fact. Uh, I got to meet Jake in person a couple months ago, and this man brought his laptop to show me his fantasy football database at dinner. <laughs> I sure did. It was pretty good, though, right? Dude, it was like good. he was—it was like he was showing me his firstborn child. It was absolutely <laughs> amazing. That's that man was so sometimes. passionate about it. It was hilarious. Uh, Dave, dude, you're up here speaking. Dave, do you want to say anything, bro? You're kind of just chilling. No, nah, no, nah, I'm just hanging out. Um, if you want to call me for anything, feel free. But nah, I'm just chilling. Just put myself as a speaker in case I want to chime in. But no, nah, I'm just chilling, enjoying. All right, bet. Thank you, bro. Akash, go ahead, man. So. Um, wanted to like look back at AJ Brown's rookie season. He actually had a really, really unique rookie season. Um, Mariota, fucking terrible. Oh, this Tannehill is sorry, sorry about the F word. No, no. He yeah, was this is not Facebook after dark. Come on, it was Tannehill. No, no, you can cuss, but yeah, we actually are. We, I don't know, Jake. Were you there last night? No, uh, I don't. No, I don't. Yeah, we we've been doing. Well, not we've been doing. Last night I did the first episode of Fantasy Football After Dark, which was really fun. It was basically just like a Fantasy Football Radio Hour, uh, or like the show I did this morning, but chaotic. Like I don't like wait for people to like ask to speak and whatnot. Like it's kind of just like chaos, and I let everyone cuss as much as they want, obviously within reason. And it was uh, it was very fun. So I didn't yeah. want to do that more. It's it's easy for me to not do it when I type because I'm obviously reviewing it. But when I speak, it's just how it is. So oh no, so I'm sorry. The same way. sorry about it. <laughs> no, you're fine. I don't care if people cuss. Whatever. Go ahead, Akash. So yeah, looking back at AJ Brown's rookie season, he actually had a kind of weird rookie season, uh, just because it was so efficient. Like he had, um, he had like two point six seven yards per out run. I don't know, like that might be twenty twenty. No, he had um two point four two yards throughout run, which is absolutely insane. A nineteen percent target share, which is pretty standard for a rookie. Uh eighty three PFF receiving grade was really good. And then he was like wide receiver thirty in uh points per game. So it's it's a it's a pretty like it's a good um kind of like a bull case for Traylon Burks in what we expect to be a low volume offense. Like if he can have that role. Then like that's the like that's the peak of efficiency would be AJ Brown. And so even then you're looking at a wide receiver three, wide receiver two maybe. And yeah. it's tough. It's tough uh, to build a, a really it's tough to see rookie wide receivers being league winners outside of a Justin Jefferson, uh Jamar Chase like season or well, what about getting Amara hot St. At Brown the right or time. I'm getting there, getting hot at the right time, which is pretty hard to predict. Like you see rookies get better as the season goes on which is great for them, but um, 
Yeah, sometimes you end up with like Devonta Smith, who had a really good rookie rookie season, but was like a wide receiver four in production because uh, know, just, just sometimes you don't have a big breakout as a rookie, even though it projects well for the future. Like Devonta Smith's rookie season was really good, um, but just wasn't like super productive, even though all the peripherals were there. Yeah, yeah, so I'm, not, I'm not gonna argue against that. I'll just say that he he is essentially stepping into AJ Brown's role. So obviously. Yeah, and AJ Brown's yeah, role as a rookie was like debatable. a wide receiver, wide receiver thirty in points per game, and that's with like top of the league efficiency. Who's that? I'm just gonna step out and let you two debate this one. Go ahead, boys. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm all about it. I, I, I just, I think we keep speaking over each other. I didn't hear what he said. Oh, I was just saying that like AJ Brown's rookie season was a wide receiver thirty, even though he had like peak efficiency for yeah, a, first for a rookie, not even like. For a rookie, like for a rookie, had like unbelievable efficiency, but just like for NFL receivers, he had unbelievable efficiency. Yeah, uh, but the first six weeks with Mariota, who was absolutely terrible, so that that's that was a part of that. Um, that. yes, it was. You can <laughs> split it, I guess, and yeah, I mean, was it Jack Miller showed that rookies get better as the season goes along? Yep. Yep. But yeah. So I mean, yeah, I'm not projecting he's AJ Brown. I'm saying he stepped into that role. And I think he has every opportunity to be a uh, – I don't want to say wide receiver one because that's – that's that's uh, you're projecting a very high ceiling for a rookie. And, you know, separating in the NFL is much different than college. So, yeah, I mean, latter half of the season is when I expect things to pick up. But I think your bronze rookie season was fucking insane because he had like 1,000 yards oh, even yeah. though he only had like two games with like more than five catches. Right. Okay, uh, boys, if you don't mind, I'm going to toss it to some of the people who just requested to speak. We had like three people come up. Uh, so anyone who just came up and requested to speak, uh, feel free to just hop right in. We'll, we'll, we'll toss it to Dirty Mike first. That's because he has his hand raised. Go ahead, man. Dirty Mike, welcome, baby. <laughs> hey, Jake. Um, is my mic on? Sorry, someone let me know. Yeah, we can hear yeah, you. you. sound good, man. Go ahead. Appreciate it. My first time on here. Um, Jake, I'm seeing you in a month, by the way, I think. But anyway, uh, I, you guys are talking about historical stuff. A lot of rookie debate here going on. So I just wanted to add some food for thought for anyone not familiar with me. I am a contributor at campus com, So we do a lot of college Love stuff. It, man. Um, the college landscape is changing here. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how metrics change. next like a couple of years. I'm um, talking about the NIL deals. They're shuffling up divisions, obviously, but just for an example of stuff that we've already seen change with COVID, these players now have a year eligibility, right? Um, Bayless Jones is our first ever six year um, declare, so can't wait to see if that the works. Legend. Out. Yep. COVID allowed that man to secure the bag. But anyway, moving forward, um, with freshman breaks out, for example, we don't, if, if anyone wants to take a guess how many freshmen received over 500 yards, true freshmen, does anyone want to take a guess how many this past year? Uh, six. I don't know. No idea. Appreciate the guess. It, like the, answer, the answer is one. It was only Xavier Worthy that got one that went over 500 receiving yards. So, like, yeah, I that's, that. that's, that's Worthy is so good. Usually, you get about like three, five to six. Like that's kind of like your range, um, upwards to like eight, but only one. Like that's unheard of. So, um, you're gonna see depth charts get a lot more crowded with increased eligibility, along with transfers and stuff. So. Anyway, just adding food for thought here that the college landscape will be changing these next five years, and I can't wait to see how that changes the rookie landscape and analytics course that follows. Hey, Mike, that's good stuff. Uh, Thanks for adding that, man. Appreciate it. I actually want to ask you uh, an opinion on a player 
Um, well, actually, I'll just ask you about Traylon Burks. We're still on the topic. What do you think about him? I mean, obviously, you know, you're a big, you know, Campus to Canton guy, uh, college football guy. I mean, what do you think about him? What do you? How do you think he's going to slot into this AJ Brown role in the Titans offense? Yeah, I think he's going to slide in real smoothly. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to ask him for much. You know, it's not that hard to be, like, relevant. Like, think about Michael Thomas's big year. It was, like, off of slants. I mean, his own teammates are calling him Slant Boy. So, I'm not really worried about Burks at all. He was my rookie wide receiver one. He's very easy to project as the one for his team right away. You know, I mean, I understand Robert Woods is there, but I- I'm not a fan of older receivers coming off a major injury. He's not old yet, but once he hits 30, you know how it is. But, um, no, I, I'm a big fan of Burks. I think he'll translate easily. Um, I think he's going to slide in right away. If, if I had to put money on any of these uh, rookies getting 1,000 yards, it, it'd be Burks. So. I love that. What about Drake London? You, or How do you think about his volume for his rookie season? Because I feel like he could be another candidate for a big opportunity in his rookie year. Mariota's trash. Okay. Fair. <laughs> yeah, me and Jake. So, me and Jake are, are real-life friends. We, we met in college. Um. I uh, I'm not a fan of Burks or sorry of London of Drake London. I I just thought that I like guys that can separate with like athleticism and speed. Um, and I don't think London's that type of player. I think he gets his more separation off his physical ability, and I historically don't think that translates well. Uh, and I know people have their own opinion about well, what separation uh, no, is. No, I understand isn't. that. I'm just saying, like, what about like bigger body guys? Like a comp for him, you know, I've seen a decent amount as like a Mike Evans kind of player. Uh, like, what do you think about that? Like, what do you think about? Because like I watched this film a decent amount actually. I liked him a good bit. He was he was my rookie wide receiver one coming out of his prospect. I think that he has a lot of uh, pretty nice abilities. And, you know, if you look at his reception perception profile, uh, Matthew Hart, um, Hartman, I believe that. Well, I'm blanking on his name. That's his name, right? I'm not butchering his name. Anyway, um, he said that he has plenty of good route running capabilities for a wide receiver of his size. So, uh, I, and I feel pretty confident in Drake London slotting into a, a pretty sizable role, but um, I'm just curious, like, so you just don't think he's going to translate well because he's not much of a separator and more of a contested catch guy? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the basis of uh, I, Just like Jake said, too, I, I do care about situation, too. I think situation matters. Uh, let's say Mariota sucks. And, and let's say Desmond Ritter, who I, most people in this live would agree is not either. Um, then you have another rookie up here, like let's say E.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. Well, we've only seen two rookie support a wire for the last 20 years. I believe that's Justin Herbert and Baker Mayfield. You're cutting out a little bit. Like it's, I'd rather not deal with the headache of the situation versus talent. Um, So, yeah. All right. I understand that for sure. Uh, let's also do, uh, to Akash here and then down to Mad. So I heard, so bringing up Michael Thomas's rookie season is really, Interesting because he had a really similar rookie season to AJ Brown in that they both had ninety percent target share. Both had, one of them had eighty six PFF receiving grade from MT, and then AJ Brown had eighty three PFF receiving grade. Both had over two yards per out run. But Drew Brees and the Saints in twenty sixteen threw the ball fifteen times more per game than the twenty nineteen Titans, and so it was a difference of like four points per game. I just thought it was interesting because they were ha- they had really typical roles for a rookie, but Michael Thomas had really good QB play and really high volume, and so it really bolstered his production. I don't know if we're going to see any of that for the rookies this year. Thanks for pulling that, Akash. I appreciate it. Uh, Matt, what do you have for us, man? Um, I think it's it. the 
London versus Burks debate is interesting, especially when you put it to A.J. Brown's rookie year and his split. Um, Akash, I want to ask you in a little bit what, how you feel about uh, measuring rookie years versus measuring rookie year first and second half splits. And uh, I also want to piggyback off of what uh, Dirty Mike was saying about um, – well, for, for one thing, I think it's funny that we're looking at a big-bodied wide receiver who's probably going to be getting passes from Mariota for the first half of the year, but we're comparing the other guy to A.J. Brown. When, uh, you know, if you, if you do think London is better, I, I'm not – I would rather take the discount and start out with Burks and then see if I can pivot to London – about halfway through the first season. That's a great point, saying, Matt, because, like, you know, when people like myself go, and like I just did my redraft league and drafted both at the turn, you're saying maybe it could be beneficial to have both, maybe. That's actually kind of interesting. I never thought about that um, before. Sure. That's uh, I, not exactly what I was saying. I appreciate I know. It. I just interpreted it <laughs> through that effort, a different lens. You hear what you want to hear, Luke. SMH. <laughs> Um, no, I, I like the idea. I like what you're saying. You're campus to Canton, um, Mike, but you still take situation into account. And I like that, especially since when we draft these players, we think we're going to have them for 10 years. But likelihood is we'll have them for one or two. And if if that's the case, why not take the guy who's going to give you the most points and who's going to see the biggest value rise versus the guy who you like their talent, but you'll be able to get them cheaper for later. Um, the one caveat being that it's pretty hard to project situation like that like we do an all right job but by and large we have some really wild misses so i wouldn't put a ton of stock into it and it's pretty much captured pretty accurately in um adp where people just add a bunch of context to a uh, production from last year and that's something else that like is really important is just looking at adp because it sets a right a good expectation for what everyone else is expecting Let's... and the wisdom of the crowds does a pretty good job. I have a right. question for you, Akash. Um, I got a trade offer last night, and I like Burks. I'm big on Burks. Um, I also like Elijah Moore's talent. Somebody sent me Burks for Elijah Moore straight up. Burks immediately. And Fox, uh, man. Burks really? immediately. Immediately. Yep. Give me Burks. Give me Burks, baby. Less questions. Less question marks there. Burks, oh, immediately. What question marks are there for Elijah? Uh, Zach Wilson. Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. There's or two weren't players. we just saying to just fade the uh, – Here, Here's the thing about situation. Time. We're going to go back to situation here for a second. I, that's yeah. why I look at stuff in two- to three-year windows. Look, like it's – he just got drafted over, so I don't feel good about that. I do like Garrett Wilson's Elijah a, a lot. A really good prospect, man. Yeah, but Elijah's then, better though. Then I gotta believe in. I gotta believe in um, Zach Wilson taking the next step. So, yeah, like I don't know, dude. Like, there's not a lot of clarity there. So it's an all right, bud. I don't. I like the bet. Like, whatever. However good Garrett Wilson is, it's not like he's gonna stop Elijah Moore from earning a role because he's not gonna have like a huge like Justin Jefferson. Devonta Adams, like, role, and that's really the only situation where you might see, like, a squeeze in targets. No, but, like, it won't be like that. Like, even if they're, like, they could be close, like, and I won't say definitely one will be over the other, but whatever it is, whatever their role is going to be, it's just because uh, going to be because they earned them. Like, Elijah Moore could definitely see, a like, a 21 to 23% target share, and then Wilson could see 17 to 19, and that's totally reasonable. And they're not, like, capping each other they're just earning 
pretty reasonable role for where they are in their careers. Do you not think, like, over the next couple seasons, that Garrett Wilson will ultimately develop into a better, if not same caliber player as Elijah Moore? Because I feel like he is going to be a better player. Like, I love this Uh, Dirty Mike, you're a canvas kid, guy. Like, what do you think about Garrett Wilson as a prospect? Uh, I like him. I mean, he's the most safest rookie pick you can possibly make in this class. And I, I was, um, I had Elijah Moore as my wide receiver too last year. So I was pretty, I was pretty hurt when Gary Wilson went there too, because I had a ton of Elijah Moore. So it, that's a tough question for me to answer. I really can't give you a straight answer. So I'm sorry. It's funny how <laughs> it's funny. It's funny how they drafted over Elijah Moore with Garrett Wilson, and they also kind of drafted over Kyle Pitts with Drake London. Would have been nice if they switched those. Give us some clarity. Interesting. Yeah, 100% agree. <laughs> yeah, notice the Atlanta Lake backfield now is all dudes are like six foot four plus. It's like they have the gigantic they, wide receiver core. They could have used a technician. I know they still got Calvin Ridley, so I, I, I think that speaks volume to their, their future with Calvin Ridley. Like, clearly not counting him out if they're grabbing all these big guys and just waiting for him to come back right. to become the technician. It's tough because he was already had like one foot out the door by the time he got suspended. Like, they were going to trade him to the Eagles. If the suspension news didn't come out, but like then they got that information and like I think it was like March or April or something. No, it was before that. It was like February or March. Um, they got that and then they pulled the trade with the Eagles. They're gonna trade him for the Eagles first, but they didn't because they didn't want to like trade someone who was about to get suspended and then the Eagles would like just like hate them. So they pulled that. Like they were gonna do it if he didn't get suspended though. Yeah. So I I don't know about his future with the team honestly. Like, I would right, love to uh, keep him, but honestly, it just feels like they're moving on. I just want to say here, we only, only have two minutes before we wrap up here, so any closing thoughts or any th- last points anyone wants to make, uh, get them out. Yeah, I got one last Great thought here. Go, go ahead and join Campus Can Leagues, you guys. They're more fun. You get to learn more about college football players. You you're gonna be way ahead of the crowd. Everyone's gonna be debating Gabe Davis. You're gonna be like, "Well, do you know the wide receiver five of Pitt?" You know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's way actually more. an interesting comment. I mean, I really like the idea of campus camp leagues. I just personally am not a big college football guy, so I feel like it'd be a really hard adjustment for me. But you know, I'm always considering dipping a toe in, so I will one day for sure. Yeah, so they do, campus to camp is tough for me because on Sundays I watch football, so if, like I'm busy all Saturday. I don't know when I do my homework, Loki. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Dave, go ahead real quick to wrap things up. Sorry. Not just enjoying this very much, Luke. You, you're, you're killing it, man. I like how you let people share their opinions. You don't um, say, I'm right, you're wrong. You just give the information, let people do what they want, welcome a bunch of different opinions, and just uh, impressed by how you facilitate these things, man. Thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate it, man. Dave's the homie, man, for real. If you guys aren't following Dave yet, make sure you drop him a follow. Uh, I'll shout out your at, too, because I'm going to put this out as a podcast later. So, at Toronto FF8 on Twitter. Make sure you go to, uh, drop Dave a follow. He's the homie for real. All right, guys, that'll do it for the first uh, Twitter spaces of the day today. We still have Fantasy Football Hour coming later tonight. But if you're listening to this later as a podcast, that podcast should hopefully already be streaming. Uh, well, if you're listening to this as soon as I put out Debate Me, then uh, it'll be out to later tonight. So hopefully you guys enjoy this first episode on streaming platforms on podcasts. Uh, thank you so much for checking it out. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening. And we will have uh, an episode of the Fantasy Football Radio Hour dropping for you every single day. And we will have more little shows like Debate Me or Late Night Fantasy Football or some other stuff I probably will think of later thrown in the mix there. But Fantasy Football Radio Hour will be the main staple show, and everything else will just be uh, extras on top. So thank you guys so much for listening, and thank you for everyone who uh, participated in the space today, came out and listened, 
or came up here and spoke and contributed to the conversation. And I'll see you guys later. Have a good one, everybody. Goodbye.